No, Riley, I am not going to do something strange to start off this episode. I don't think the listener wants to hear another ad from Gilboa Fruits. Oh, oh, hello there, good listener. (laughs) I didn't realize we were recording. Well, fancy seeing you here on the airwaves. My name is Dan Lajois, a host of The Weird, and sitting across from me in cyberspace is my trusty partner, um... What's your name? Riley. Riley. Okay. I love the way you said your name just now. And I'm Dan Lajoie. I put an umlaut uh, in my name, and I think that's how it's pronounced now. I remember so many pretentious people in the 80s did weird punctuation and umlauts on their names. Like who? Like, I'm not Paul, I'm Paul. Like, fuck off. You're Paul. Like someone you actually know did this? Yeah, I know I know a fashion designer named Paul who did that. And I know some other people who like try to Europeanize their names and so make them sound more exotic. And I know like, someone who added an extra letter to their name. Who? I can't say. I know who. But the listeners don't, so they probably don't care. They're like, would you get on with it? I got to cut my toenails. Well, at least um, no one we know has changed their name into a symbol. You know why he did that? Do you know the no, story? I do not know why it's he did that. It's a fucking brilliant story. We're talking story. about Prince, good listener. Yeah, of course. He changed his name to the symbol because Prince was licensed, had licensed his music to a record company, Universal. I think they were fucking him over. And so he legally changed his name and recorded all of his new music under the symbol. And then when he finally got control of his back catalog again, he reverted back to Prince. Oh. It was a legal maneuver and it was genius. And being kind of artsy and creative. Yeah. And I don't know if you ever remember, but he went to a music award show and he had carved into his facial hair the word slave. And it was because the record company were just being absolutely gross to him. A lot of other people have done similar things because the record companies have been horrible to them. I always found it so interesting, the idea that the Beatles, for example, didn't own their music. And then Michael Jackson came in and bought it. Didn't like Yoko Ono own it and then... She sold it to Michael Jackson or? David Bowie had the same issue. His um, catalog was out of control, out of his control for a while. Yeah, it's weird, eh? I don't understand the music business. It's fucked. It's fucked. All right. Speaking of things that are effed up, Riley, I am bringing a very odd and strange tale to you tonight. Uh, This is something that I've been thinking about doing for a while and has uh, taken me quite some time to review I I was mentioning to Riley right before recording that I wasn't even sure if I was going to do this at one point because I wasn't sure if it fit the weirds, you know, the the type of story that the weird would normally cover. But then the further I got into my research with it, the more and more strange and odd this story became. I am so intrigued already. Can I just mention something too? Now, listener, of course, this isn't a YouTube show, thank God. So you can't see what I'm seeing. But Dan, you look really well groomed. I got a haircut. Like today? No. Because uh, like it's fresh ago? looking. Did you Have you not washed your hair since? Uh, no, I, I washed my hair this morning. Oh, so you're just good at styling your hair. Does your hair naturally just do that very nice parted wave? Yeah, it's kind of a natural, uh, a natural wave I have in my hair, yes. You're lucky because I have bone straight hair and that would take me hours. Yeah, I am lucky for that. My hair's doing well. Yeah, you look good. Thank you. It's about time, eh? Because I looked like warmed up death before this. I thought you looked great with the beard. I still, um, you know, I still think the beard, you rocked it. But anyway, wow us with an incredible story. Um, I am so ready. All right. So a Mm -hmm. BBC crew 
was filming at the side of a motorway when it captured one of the most bizarre things I have ever seen. Mm. Two women in obvious distress continually attempted to fling themselves into traffic in an effort to seemingly end their lives. This is a story that on the surface is, is odd, but as it unfolds, just becomes downright strange. Amazing. Ursula and Sabina Eriksson are Swedish twin sisters who came to international attention in the United Kingdom in May of 2008. The twins were born in Sweden in November of 1967 and grew up in Sun Varmland with an older sister named Mona and an older brother named Bjorn. Of course, his name Bjorn. It had to be Bjorn. I love that name. I do too. Doesn't it just, it's just a cool name, isn't it? It reminds me of Abba. Wait, one of them's named Bjorn? Yeah, Bjorn and Benny. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Bjorn and Benny. Has Benny spelt like B-N-N-Y? Yeah, but that's not his real name. It's something else, something okay. more, more Swedish-y. Okay, okay. By 2000, Ursula was living in the United States while Sabina was living in County Cork, Ireland with her spouse and two children. By all accounts, there didn't appear to be anything in their history to predict what was to come. They were not drug users, they had no prior convictions, and they had no known mental health issues. Ursula visited Sabina in Ireland in, on May 16th, 2008. Shortly after her arrival, a blow-up occurred between Sabina and her husband, and after only 24 hours since Ursula's arrival, the sisters secretly departed Sabina's home. They traveled by ferry to Liverpool, leaving Sabina's kids and husband back home completely unaware of their whereabouts. They arrived in Liverpool at 8.30 a.m. on Saturday and went to St. Anne Street Police Station apparently in order to report concerns over the safety of Sabina's children. We don't know if this threat was real or if it was imagined. Liverpool police contacted Dublin to follow up the request, learning that Sabina at this point had had a fight with her partner the previous night. At around 11.30 a.m. that morning, the pair then boarded a National Express coach headed to London. Now, a police report stated that the twins suddenly disembarked from the bus at Keel Services, a motorway service station, as they were not feeling well. The driver of the bus, however, said he left them at Keel Services, even though it was not a scheduled rest stop, at around 1 p.m. after becoming suspicious of their erratic behavior. He noticed the twins acting oddly from the beginning of the trip, clinging to their bags tightly, refusing to place them under the bus where bags would normally go, and because they were being so evasive when asked about their bags, the driver demanded to search their luggage and the twins refused. At that point, he decided he had had enough and wouldn't let them back on the bus. He closed the door and literally drove away. And he then called the manager of the service station and informed her that he had done this. And so this woman then became uh, aware of these two women and started looking out for them. And she was also feeling suspicious of the pair's demeanor and their movements. And she noted the fixation they had on their bags. She said it, they were clinging to it like as if all their earthly possessions were in these bags and someone was trying to take them, acting really, really odd. Oh, okay. She called the police, fearful that they may have had a bomb in their bags. Officers arrived, talked to them, but left after saying that the women seemed harmless and they were allowed to leave. And that's where that police report came that 
they got out of the they they told the police officer they got out of the bus because they weren't feeling good. Uh, the police officer wrote down some information for them uh, the, for the the bus company so that they could call and get picked up on the next bus in, and the the police left and that was that. As seen on closed circuit television cameras, the pair departed the service station on foot and began to walk down the central reservation or the median of the M6 highway before attempting to cross it, causing chaos to the traffic and picking up minor injuries in the attempt. So let me just describe what the M6, the M6 is a major highway. Mm -hmm. And it's a six lane highway where vehicles are traveling uh, at very, very high speeds. So they're walking down the middle of this thing. Oh my and Lord. they just, at one point, you can watch it, you can see the footage of this. They just start to like wheedle their way through the traffic, not really even trying to dodge the cars. They get brushed. One of them gets brushed and sort of hit at one point, but they just keep sort of making their way across the road. And one of them actually picked up minor injuries in this attempt. Sabina, uh, she was actually struck by a Seat Leon. I don't know what kind of car that is, but it's a small little European car. Um, and just a quick side note, their elder brother claimed in a Swedish newspaper that his sisters were fleeing from maniacs who were chasing them, although that was never corroborated. Okay. So highway agency officers responded to the incident and police from the Central Motorway Police Group were called to assist. Now, this is where, this is the, an, a, a really interesting element is added to this story. The rest of the day's drama was captured by a BBC television crew who were filming a show called Motorway Cops. <laughs> so if you're from North America, you know the show Cops here, or and I think there's lots of variants probably around the world now of these types of shows where a film crew fo- sits with you know a police police officers and follow them for the day, right? It was that well, type of show. Well, there's actually, um, I think there's actually on, I don't know, Netflix. No, wouldn't Netflix wouldn't do this, but one of them, Showcase or something, has a traffic cop show where it's just traffic cops stopping people. Mm-hmm. My favorite ones are the belligerent people who just don't give a shit and they just won't like, they won't accept the ticket. And then the cops break the windows in the car and take them out. I, I, I yeah, I like those. Two. Yeah. And there was this one woman who was like in there with her three kids. Oh, and they have to break the window down and take the woman out. Cause she's like, ah, well, yeah, I hate that. See, I don't like that when there's children involved and they just, well, do what are they the... supposed to do? Right. And then you wonder what those kids are going to be like when they, when they're older. I know, I know. So at first, sound like we sound like women in a book club. I know, I know. And did you hear that Madge is dating um, the uh, the plumber? And I'm not afraid to admit to admit to everyone tonight at the club that when I was reading Possession, I actually got horny. Oh my god, I did too. <laughs> it's Dan and Riley's book club. Oh boy. Oh we can ro- boy. We can write erotic fiction after this. We'll do another podcast where we just improvise erotic fiction. That's not erotic at all. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, yeah. So at first, everything appeared to be fairly calm as the traffic officers approached the twins on the side of the highway. In the footage, they're clearly trying to tell the sisters that it isn't safe for them to be walking down the busy highway, and the twins appear to be level-headed, standing there smoking a cigarette. Another cruiser pulled up with more officers, and the first officers began to brief them about the situation when all of a sudden, and Riley, I'm not kidding, something shocking and completely horrific happened. And you, again, all of this that I'm talking about, you can see, and I'll share the link uh, through our, our, uh, you know, our social media accounts 
to watch this documentary. It's it's really unnerving what happens next. Okay, I'm I'm kind of like hmm. So standing on the hard shoulder of the motorway, and without warning, Ursula darted into busy oncoming traffic as the police officer that was talking to her grabbed her by the jacket and tried to hold her back, but she just slipped through her jacket. So she freed herself and then she launches herself into the side of an oncoming uh, Mercedes-Benz Actros 2546 articulated lorry. So in North American parlance, uh, a huge truck. Right. The truck was traveling at around 56 miles per hour or 90 kilometers an hour. Uh, the police on the scene in the, in the footage that you're seeing were shocked at what they had just witnessed. You can see it on their face. Like it's just this thousand yard stare in, in the police and all of their eyes. They were, so they're shocked at what they'd witnessed, but didn't even have a second to process it because right after this, Sabina, the other sister runs right into the road and gets just walloped by an oncoming Volkswagen Polo, which is like a small sedan. I love the the fact that you feel it's necessary to really nail down what kind of cars they were. I well, some people we have lots of automobile aficionados that listen to our podcast. We are the number three podcast for automobile aficionados, with the number one being Joe Rogan Experience. Joe Rogan Experience is number one. Yes, and Conan needs a friend. Uh, number two is there and a Conan? It's... Is there a Conan O'Brien podcast? Yes, it's wonderful. I don't find people like that funny, so I wouldn't know. Oh, my God. Well, that's because you're dead inside. I am dead inside. So the police called it in and rushed to the two women's aid, believing that they likely had two fatalities on their hands. And and again, Riley, if you see this footage, it's insane, like how badly they get hit. Okay, two questions for you. First of all, do they not have rules like they have here where if there's police cars pulling somebody over on the side of the road, you're supposed to like slow the fuck down and try to avoid, you know, going near them? So remember those rules here in Canada or Ontario, I'm not sure if this is throughout Canada, those are fairly new. Okay, all right. Yeah, this wasn't an accident. These were just a couple police cars pulled off onto the side of the road talking to these women. Yeah, but we're told now that anything that's pulled over on the side of the road, you're supposed to veer veer away from it, right? Not maybe last three years, I think, here. And this is this is uh, 14 years ago. Mm-hmm. So again, so they think they've got two fatalities on, on, on their hands. And all of this is being captured by the BBC film crew. Uh, and, and what happens next just made my jaw drop. And I'm being sincere. Like it was really so we're upsetting not done. to watch this. We're not done with the atrocity. Not even close. We're just okay. starting. Keep going. So uh, Sabina was thrown into the air after smashing into the windshield of the Volkswagen. You can see this again. It's it's disgusting. Um, and she lay in a crumpled heap on the ground. Ursula suffered even more serious injuries as she not only hit the truck's body, but also had the tires of this truck run over her legs, over her lower half. Okay. And again, this is giant wheels, probably, I guess, probably two sets of wheels, right? For each. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, boggles my mind that they survived at all. You know, and, and even like with Sabina, who went into the car, the, the windshield smashed. And you know how hard those windshields are. It's Absolutely. completely cratered in. She went flying high in the air. Remind me again of how old these women are. So at this time, they're so it's they were born in sixty seven. 
So that makes them 33, makes them 41. Okay, they're not that old. Okay. No, no, they're not that old. So the pair were treated by paramedics. However, Ursula, the one who's been run over by a truck, resisted medical aid by spitting, scratching, and screaming. Ursula told the policeman restraining her, I recognize you. I know you're not real. And if you watch the video, it's something right out of like a horror movie because it's clear her legs have been completely flattened and shattered, but the top half of her body is very much moving and attempting to get up. It almost reminded me a little bit of the Terminator, you know, where the the, the body is completely, but it's still going. And it's like the walking dead or the walking dead. She's not even showing on her face that she's hurt. There's no screaming or crying. I'm jumping the gun, but I'm, I have to be conjecturing in my head. Like, what are we talking here? Like schizophrenia? Cause I know it runs in families or bath salts. We'll get to that. Yeah. This is what the, the police are thinking at this point. They're thinking exactly along, not bath salts. Cause I don't think that was a thing yet. I just threw bath salts out there. No, but they're thinking absolutely. They're thinking that these women are, are high or, or very mentally ill. Well, no, they're not thinking that at this point. Because when they were talking to them on the side of the road, they did seem completely lucid and normal. And then all of a sudden, something changed. So meanwhile, an officer was trying to help Sabina, the one who was hit by the car. Uh, She was unconscious for about 15 minutes. Uh, She'd been immobilized. There was a a bystander that came and helped this uh, female police officer so that she had her, her neck immobilized and she was out cold. But then all of a sudden, she just wakes up, it like pops up again, almost like out of a horror movie and is in a state of hysteria. And you can see the look on the bystander's face. It's shock. Like it's shock at what you've just witnessed. And I've been involved in some motor accidents where as a first responder, first aid responder, those are upsetting. But to then have a person do what she then does is just, it's, it's so scary. So she pops up. And she's now trying to throw these two women off of her and the officer and this other woman keep trying to hold her down for her safety. And they're trying to reassure her and to say, you're okay. You've been in an accident. You need to, to stay, uh, still, uh, the woman is calling for help and the police officer saying, I'm the, I'm the police. It's okay. Like you're, we, you're, you've been badly hurt. You need to stay still. And in the video, you then see. Sabina get up and she just starts slapping the officer away from her and she's screaming and she's screaming at her sister who's like in a a puddle of of yuck she's saying really odd things like they're going to try and steal your organs it's odd and then she looks at the police officer who is helping her and says I recognize you you're not real wow okay Sabina then started screaming for help and calling for the police even though They were present and they kept telling her that we are the police. You're okay. She then tried to break free and run away. Uh, That officer who had been helping her tries to stop her. She kind of gets her in a a bit of a bear hug from behind. And the, the woman just with, again, this is all on video. You can watch this with quite a great amount of speed and strength. She sort of whips around and with one punch drops this police officer to the ground, like knocks her to the ground, didn't knock her out, but knocked her down with force. And this is a petite woman, a petite blonde woman. So as soon as she punched the woman, she was, she had broken free. And then she runs back to the median, hops over the, the, the guardrail and goes right into traffic going the other direction. 
the southbound motorway. Wow. So emergency workers and several members of the public caught up with her. They were able to stop traffic. I think people probably noticed that something was going, they probably were going slow anyway because of the accident that had, had occurred. They were rubbernecking. Uh, so they were able to stop traffic, thank God. They were able to restrain her. It took seven people to get her restrained. Once they did that, they had to they had to cuff her and like uh, tie up her legs and everything. Uh, and they carried her to a waiting ambulance. Uh, but even then, they needed to sedate her because the the medics could not help her within the state that she was in, even though she was completely manacled and unable to um, to move her her legs and arms freely. But she was convulsing and doing weird things with her body. Uh, and this is another interesting uh, another interesting thing. One of the police officers involved described feeling like a rag doll in her hands. Oh, imagine that! Some of these police officers were big, like strong people, and this person is tiny, and they were scared of her. So the the police described both women as having immense, almost superhuman strength, which is made all the more amazing considering the injuries they had just sustained. Yeah, seriously. Oh, my God. So initially, the police believed the twins must be on drugs and, and maybe had a suicide pact. They they thought, you know, they were delusional. Uh, they didn't understand their injuries and that, the, you know, they were seeing things that weren't there. Just so you know, while we were talking just now, I just watched the video. Mm. Yeah. So now you know. Well, they weren't what I was expecting at all. They're very well-dressed, very attractive, normal. Yeah. Like I expected something quite different. Right. So the fact that they survived these horrific accidents was one thing. And and if you listen, I don't know which video you were looking at, but there's a whole bunch of experts that talk about it, including the police and paramedics. They should not have survived. Yeah. Neither one should have survived what, what happened to them. But the fact that Sabina then gets up and is running around as if nothing happened and is able yeah. to manhandle several police officers... She got, you saw it. She's thrown into the air and yet mm-hmm. seems, comp- is just weird, 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 weird. So the M6 northbound uh, was closed for over four hours to allow an air ambulance to transport Ursula to hospital and a road ambulance to take Sabina. Ursula was in very, very serious condition. They were worried that she wasn't going to make it. Uh, the initial investigation conducted on the highway revealed their identities and nationalities as well, they discovered that the women, and this is a weird thing, the women were carrying several cell phones, which struck them as odd. They had a little knapsack and there was like a bunch, like a whole pile of, of cell phones and a laptop and, and, and different oh. things like that in there. But no other possessions. When you first said it, I was so sure there was going to be something really like a body or something, body parts or no. some ter- something very incriminating in the in their luggage. In a weird way, that would make, it would give a reason perhaps then for their odd behavior. Absolutely. Yeah. And I can just tell you right out there, we still don't know what the real reason was. Oh, you're not going to, you're not going to lay a solution on the table. Well, there is, there's an official solution, but there's a whole pile of different theories because a lot of people don't necessarily buy the official story. Well, when is the official story ever the real story? I mean, look at Roswell. It's a weather balloon. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And, and and you'll see it by the end when we, when we get there. Uh, we only have three or four more hours to go. This is a long one. Did I tell you that? Mm-hmm. Go get something to eat because I'm worried you're going to wither away during this. I've eaten really well, actually. I had shepherd's pie for dinner. Oh, look at you. Hey, a nod to our Irish friends. And I finally managed to get a, a recipe I enjoy that doesn't taste dry. What kind of meat did you use? Oh, I use ground beef. Shut up. 
You disgust me. You're not supposed to use ground beef, I know, but whatever. Use minced meat if you're going to use beef. Well, it is minced. It's ground the beef. The difference between ground, ground beef is minced meat's like ground, like when you when you take steak and you mince it. My God, you sound pretentious. Yeah, well, I am. <laughs> and I only cut that. it with my special kitchen knife. I like to use lamb. <laughs> All right, so let's get back to the story, okay? Stop trying to U-turn me on this, Riley. Okay, okay. Take a log off the fire there, buddy. (laughs) So Sabina was taken to hospital where, despite her ordeal and an apparent lack of concern over her sister's injury, she never never asked once about her sister, uh, she soon became calmer and controlled and was released from the hospital into the police, into police custody five hours later. That's unbelievable, considering what happened to her. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Right? It is the Terminator. In police custody, she remained relaxed, even coming off as a bit funny and flirty. Again, this is all still on that BBC cops show. You can watch this. It wasn't initially released, and and you'll you'll find out why. Uh, Some of this footage didn't come out till years later. But when you see her on this thing, she looks, again, like an attractive, articulate, kind of funny, and, and obviously charming all the police at the police station a really kind of nice person. They all took to her. Did any of them hook up? No. Okay. So there was one really odd moment that I found in this police, in the police station. And, and it's kind of chilling when you know what's about to come, uh, where she tells an officer. We say in Sweden that an accident rarely comes alone. Usually at least one more follows. Maybe two. Oh, oh no. At no point while in custody did Sabina ask about her sister, which the police thought was a bit strange, or even really demonstrate that she was aware of what had happened. She made, she just sort of would brush off when they would talk about it with her. Like they, for example, they ask, have you ever tried to kill yourself? She's like, no. And the guy was like, well, you, you just did that today. Well, no, like it's just this, it's like over her head. Uh, the next day on the 19th of May, Sabina was released from court without a full psychiatric evaluation, having pleaded guilty to the charges of trespass on the motorway and hitting a police officer. The court sentenced her to one day in prison. However, as she had already spent a night in the cells, she was allowed to walk free without the full psychiatric evaluation. I'm appalled. So a social worker looked at her and, and that's it and did their own their own assessment. Ridiculous. Appalling. Yeah, I agree. Leaving court, Sabina began to wander the streets of Stoke-on-Trent, trying to locate her sister in hospital and carrying her possessions in a clear plastic bag given given to her by the police. At around 7 p.m. that day, two men, 54-year-old Glenn Hollinshead and his friend Peter Malloy, were out on a dog walk and spotted Sabina. Sabina appeared friendly and stroked the dog as the three struck up a conversation. Although friendly, Sabina appeared to be behaving nervously, which worried Malloy. Sabina asked the two men for directions to any nearby bed and breakfast or hotels. Glenn Hollins had a self-employed welder and qualified paramedic and former RAF airman took pity on Sabina and offered her a safe place at his home nearby. Okay. Uh, and Peter Malloy in, in an interview says there were, there really wasn't much around where they were. There weren't any B&Bs and, and, or maybe you know, hotels close by. Not a big tourist destination. No. Uh, Sabina accepted and seemed to sort of relax as she began to relate how she was trying to locate her hospitalized sister. 
back of the house over a couple beers. Her odd behavior became more pronounced though, as she constantly got up and looked out the window, leading Malloy to assume that she had run away from an abusive partner and was worried that maybe she was being stalked. Malloy became very concerned though, when after offering the men cigarettes from her, the, this pack of cigarettes that she'd been smoking from all night, uh, she quickly snatched them out of their mouths, claiming they may be poisoned. Mm-hmm. Shortly before midnight, Malloy left and Sabina stayed the night. And I'm going to say this to you. When I first read this, my spidey sense was tingling. Like, don't you find that a bit odd? A man invites a woman into his home and seems like maybe he was trying to take advantage of her. And I still don't know what the case is. Although I will say this, everyone who knows Glenn says this is just the kind of guy he was. Okay. He was a that's good a, Samaritan, a kind person, always going out of his way to help others, even complete strangers. So there was a history of this. Uh, so not one person has ever said a bad word about this person. And it's not outside the realm of possibility. It could just be, he's a small town, helpful kind of guy. Well, and she's an attractive woman. There's nothing wrong. Like if she's an attractive woman, hey, as long as he's not doing anything untowards or putting pressure on her, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Well, I I hope he's not helping her because she's attractive. I'm hoping he's helping her because she's a woman in need of, she's a human being in need of help. No, and and, and I I think I'll mention this later in in a quote, where like, this is the type of guy that would go in, if there was a fight at the pub, he would try to break it up. Even if he didn't know the people. Okay. He's, there's a track record again of, of this guy being a good Samaritan. So the next day around midday, Hollins had called his brother regarding local hospitals in order to locate Sabina's sister, Ursula. So he's actively trying to help her find her sister. At 7.40 PM, while a meal was being prepared, Hollins had left the house to ask a neighbor for tea bags and then went back inside. One minute later, he staggered back out, now bleeding, and told him, she stabbed me, before collapsing to the ground. Glenn would die after being stabbed five times with a butcher knife, presumably by Sabina. Oh my God. As the neighbor dialed 999, which for our, again, for our North American listeners, that's the, uh, the British equivalent of 911. In Australia, it's, in Australia, it's. I don't know, zero one one or something. We've got a big listenership in Australia. You need to know this stuff, Riley. I haven't gone there yet. So, and I haven't had an emergency there. You're the possessor of all the useless knowledge. No, I'm not. You are. Oh, you're right. You're a history guy. I'm shoe guy. Your shoe guy. Any any shoe related questions you can answer them. Yeah, yeah. That's a Jimmy Choo. That's a Jimmy Choo from 1996. Okay, go ahead. So as the neighbor was calling the police, Sabina fled the premises and was caught on the run by nearby CCTV. She ran out of the house with a hammer and was periodically hitting herself over the head with it. <gasps> a passing motorist saw this and decided to tackle her in an attempt to take control of the hammer. He's a young guy. Again, I've seen his interviews and he's just, he, he was really shocked at what he was witnessing and just saw this woman hitting herself in the head and without thinking, stopped his car to try and take the hammer away from her. While wrestling with him, Sabina screamed and then apparently took a roof tile out of her pocket and struck him on the back of the head with it, stunning him temporarily enough to sort of break away from him. By this time, paramedics had found her and were also giving chase. The pursuit ended at Heron Cross, 
when Sabina jumped from a 12-meter or 40-foot-high bridge onto the A50 highway. Oh, no. Just straight down. And apparently, when she jumped, she landed on her feet. Did she break her ankles instantly? She broke both her ankles and even and fractured her skull uh, in the fall and then was immobile. She couldn't. But she apparently was trying to get up and, and still go. Dan. 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 Riley? Dan. This is one of the most cringy things you've ever brought onto the weird. It's so cringy and uncomfortable to listen to this. Oh, and Dan. And I encourage our listeners to... If you're interested in this, watch the video, like do what kind of what Riley did, watch it. Cause then you'll have that picture in your head as you're listening to the rest of this story. Right. Yeah. And, and listeners, it's not gory. It's just shocking. Yeah. It's not. I mean, they, there's a bit of gore in it, but it's, it's shocking. God, this is cringy. Jesus, go ahead. Continue. On June 6th, she was arrested while recovering at university hospital of North Staffordshire and was discharged in a wheelchair on the 11th of September, 2008 at which point she was taken into custody and charged with murder the same day. Ursula was also released from hospital in September, and she very quickly uh, relocated back to Sweden and then eventually to the U.S. Despite these incidents, there was no evidence that drugs or alcohol were involved in the incidents on the M6 or the killing of Holland's Head. So there was a toxicology report done and uh, an alcohol test, I guess, they did blood work, right? And they were clean. So they were not high at all. The trial was scheduled for February of 2009, but was adjourned after the court encountered difficulties in obtaining Sabina's medical records from Sweden. And apparently they never got them. So they weren't aware of even if there was past history. According to family, there wasn't, but we don't officially know that. Mm-hmm. The trial was then scheduled to start on the 1st of September, 2009. At the trial, Sabina pleaded guilty to manslaughter with diminished responsibility, having stabbed her victim five times with a kitchen knife. Sabina had no answers for her actions or the killing of Glenn Holland's head. At no point during her interrogation or during the trial did she explain her actions, only replying no comment to extensive police questioning. Similarly, at no time was the video from the M6 used in evidence in the court. Both the prosecution and defense claimed that Sabina was insane at the time of the killing, although she'd become sane again by the time of her trial. Or had she? Both the prosecution and defense believed this to be true. Yeah, but I mean, the people who picked her up and brought her to that bed and breakfast, they thought she was just a rational, normal person. She exhibited no signs of mental illness at that time, and then she turned around on a dime and killed somebody. They had shown the footage of what had happened, mm-hmm. that might have also helped the Crown or the the judge to say, whoa, 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 I, I think that there's more to this. Because they could have held her. Again, if you watch the, the BBC documentary on this, they talk about the fact that the, the trouble with this, I think it was a police officer saying it, yeah, she looks normal now. And she's been normal while in custody. But you put her back into the world and this could happen again, Right. They should, she should have been, as soon as she was discharged from the hospital, she should have been immediately transferred to a psychiatric facility for long-term observation, at least 60 days, 90 days, see what's going on, you know? Yep, absolutely. So the defense counsel in the trial claimed that Erickson was a secondary sufferer of a condition called folie à deux, influenced by the presence or perceived presence of her twin sister, the primary sufferer. 
So folie du, folly of two or madness shared by two, uh, also known as shared psychosis or shared delusional disorder, SDD, is a psychiatric syndrome in which symptoms of a delusional belief and sometimes hallucinations are transmitted from one individual to another. Have you ever mm-hmm. heard of that? I have heard of it because there's a lot of married couples who obviously get together who have um, pre-existing mental conditions who end up having this mental symbiotic relationship where one becomes the lead and the other person just buys into their weird, right. crazy belief system. And we also know of like twins, right? Twins have that weird sort of almost sixth sense about the others thinking and doing and... I would actually like to do the um, the twin symbiotic, you know, psychic relationship at some point in the yeah, weird. Yeah, that, actually, that would make a great show. You're there's right. There's many cases of that. Yeah. So it's a pretty interesting theory that, you know, two people can be so connected that they share the same mental psychosis. And again, as far as we know, though, this was the first time it had ever presented itself. Doesn't folie à deux sound like some annoying play that the French side of the theater department would have done while we were in school? By Molière. Yeah, and they'd all have like bowler hats and and bare feet and be really annoying. Bare feet. With like a very heavy synth disco sort of music in the background, yeah. So the court also heard that she had suffered from a rare psychiatric disorder, which made her hear voices, but she could not interpret what they said, as well as an alternative theory that she had suffered from acute polymorphic delusional disorder, an acute psychotic disorder in which hallucinations, delusions, or perceptual disturbances are obvious but markedly variable, changing from day to day or even from hour to hour, which would suggest why they went from seemingly normal when they got on the bus-ish to being on the highway at first when the police arrived on the shoulder, normal. And then again, Sabina at the police station, normal, and meeting with those two guys, normal. And then all of a sudden she snaps again. So her plea was accepted by the prosecution at Nottingham Crown Court on the 2nd of September, 2010 concluded that Sabina had a low level of culpability for her actions. He said, and I quote, I understand that this sentence will seem entirely inadequate to the relatives of the deceased. However, I have sentenced on the basis that the reason for the killing was the mental illness, and therefore the culpability of the defendant is low, and therefore the sentence I have passed is designed to protect the public. It is not designed to reflect the grief the relatives have suffered or to measure the value of Mr. Hollingshead's life. No sentence that I could pass could do that. It is a sentence which I hope fairly measures a truly tragic event. Sabina was suffering from delusions which she believed to be true and they dictated her behavior. It is not one of those cases where the defendant could have done something to avoid the onset. That being said, Sabina was sentenced to five years in prison and was sent to Bronzefield Women's Prison, where she turned, apparently, to Christianity. Oh, God. You know, that's going to turn out well. Yeah. She was released the following year in 2011 after just spending 439 days in jail. She never gave any explanation for her behavior or reasoning as to why she would stab a man who was kind to her. And when she was released from prison... She basically just disappeared. Okay, if you're sent to prison for this kind of episode, what is the purpose of that? They've already said she's not 
culpable. She's not responsible. Why wasn't she remanded to psychiatric care in the hopes that perhaps they might be able to determine what the fuck was wrong with her? Isn't that such a weird red flag? Isn't it all just so strange? It makes me so annoyed. Oh, my Isn't God. Isn't it all just so strange, though? It's weird. It's so And there weird. are a lot of people who say the same thing. What were you thinking? Like, honest to God, what good is it going to do to put somebody mentally ill into the into a prison? First of all, the prison is the most disturbing fucking environment you could put anybody with mental illness into. They're very vulnerable. They like there's uh, I could just go on. I, I could just go on and I won't, but I could. So the aftermath of this, many questions were left unanswered as we sort of are starting to touch on here. Some called for an investigation into the way the criminal justice system handled the matter, including Peter Malloy and an MP for Stoke South, Rob Flello. In December of 2012, some never-before-seen footage from that BBC traffic TV show would be uploaded to the internet anonymously, and it showed some very serious failings. In the video... You can hear two officers say that the twins should be given a 136, which means that due to the Mental Health Act, police can hold a person who is experiencing a mental health breakdown and give the detainee a mental health assessment. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, this never happened, even though it was very, very clear that she was a danger to herself and others. If she had been held and properly assessed, she never would have had the opportunity to kill Glenn. And quite frankly, Riley, I think there was a serious miscarriage of justice. A hundred percent. So the brother of Glenn Holland's head, Gary, told the Sentinel newspaper in Stoke that he believed the criminal justice system failed his brother when they allowed Sabina to return to society after the incident on the M6. He is understandably critical of the justice system, which he viewed as enabling the murder, stating... We don't hold her responsible the same as we wouldn't blame a rabid dog for biting someone. She's ill and to a large degree not responsible for her actions. But her mental disorder should have been recognized much earlier. I do question the criminal justice system for allowing somebody like this to be let out when she is capable of committing such a crime. Her mental condition should have been properly assessed after what she did on the motorway and the experiences the police had. Her mental disorder should have been picked up prior to her being let out in the, into the community. Glenn saw Erickson in distress and was just trying to help. He wasn't slow in coming forward to help somebody in distress, and it wasn't in his nature. He, he was just trying to help. He would help anybody. If he saw a fight in the street and a guy was losing, he would help. So there you have it. So there's the obvious official theory that these two women were suffer, suffering from a psychiatric disorder, you know, we've touched upon some of this. They were identical twins, which is not uncommon for identical twins to have very intense bonds. It's also not uncommon for siblings. I'm not sure if this applies to twins as well, for siblings to share mental disorder. Absolutely. Or, or for a mental disorder to run through the family, right? Genetic often. Of course. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep, yep. And there's usually a sizable genetic component to most psychotic disorders, unless they're like drug induced. Right. So, I mean, again, that's my, been my professional experience, my other life. Uh, so that, that is absolutely plausible. I don't know. It's, it's very possible 
that this is the, the, the reason. It's just some of the other things that are unexplained just don't make sense. So what are some of the other theories out there? Riley, do you know? Because I didn't do my research. Please, God, tell me one of them is not aliens. Mm-hmm. You're fucking kidding. And it's brilliant. Oh, yeah. Okay. So let's go through them. I'll start okay. with... <laughs> I threw that out there because I was sure as shit that they, there was no way they could tie aliens to this, and I was wrong. Oh, fuck. Okay. And I will actually give airtime to this because it's it's interesting. So let's go with the most plausible. Uh, some of these run came run in conjunction with the um, the psychotic break that they had. So one is that they were on the run. Uh, Sabina was running from her abusive partner. This wouldn't explain why she left the children with the partner, nor anything to do with the running into the traffic incident or Glenn's murder. Also, here's the other weird part. If you're running from your family, why go to Liverpool to make the claim? Cork is southwest of Ireland, a county in the southwest. Just to travel to Dublin to get the ferry, I'm assuming that's where they took the ferry from, Mm-hmm. that's a long trip to then take a ferry all the way to, like, I just don't understand that piece either. Why would they go and make mm-hmm. a claim there? It's really, really weird. Why not go to Dublin and do it, you know, right. or, or Kilkenny or I don't know, uh, you know, another city closer by it's odd. But so there's a theory that they were on the run. Their older brother, uh, who I mentioned earlier, He did a very, very short interview with a Swedish news publication stating that they were chased by lunatics and forced to flee onto the highway. And this is a quote of Bjorn. Uh, He said, they would rather take a truck in the face than be gang raped, but didn't back that up with anything. And I saw the video. There were no lunatics there. There were police. And I mean, some might call them lunatics, but I love the police generally. And, um, they don't seem to be doing anything untoward. Not at all. And if you watch that documentary, they're they're treating them with a lot of kindness and compassion uh, all the way through. Do you know what the one thing I found when I watched the video, though, that made my brows go, hmm, was when the first woman gets hit, they don't seem to be very in a state of panic over it. They're shocked. It's shock. Okay. I, I read that as pure shock. Because I would be just screaming and running around. And I don't know what you watched. But if you're looking for the full video that I keep referencing, it's called, it's BBC Madness in the Fast Lane. So good listener, if you're not going to go to the, you can just Google search BBC Madness in the Fast Lane. And that's where you'll get, it's a, it's like a 50 minute documentary and it takes you through the whole, the whole journey with lots of interviews and stuff like that. It's, it's quite good. All right. So another theory is that they were drug mules. Oh, It's been suggested by David McCann, author of the book, A Madness Shared by Two, that Sabina's partner in Ireland was part of a drug trafficking ring. He believes that authorities in the UK had the twins under observation due to links with the gang and a path as clear as possible was being made to keep them out of the legal system, allowing the security services to maintain their observations. They wanted to see where they were going, right? These were the small fish and they were trying to get the big fish. I don't buy it. Would the suspicious behavior, the number of mobile phones, which is a common practice with with the drug trade to have um, disposable phones, right? And a bunch of them, so you can't be traced, on their person uh, and not wanting anyone to check their bags and being so protective uh, of these bags, would that help 
sort of explain that theory? I don't know. I, I agree. I don't know. Are those, are those, though, also not red flags of just simple extreme paranoia? Oh, of course. Of course. Of course. But it, it could be that, too. It could be that there was drugs in those bags. In the like, you don't know how many schizophrenic people I have come across in my life who believe they're under government surveillance. Yes. And so wouldn't you get different cell phones because you believed that to try to thwart that? Except that there's no evidence they're schizophrenic. And again, no one has ever come forward to say, yes, they suffer from mental illness. Well, it doesn't sound like they were properly evaluated. No, no. But prior to these, this incident, these were just ordinary human beings with, you know, Sabina's right. case with um, husband and child and living in a small community. Why, when, when did they buy all these phones? Right. Maybe they bought them on their way to Liverpool, but it's just weird. It's possible. Okay. It's possible. Okay. And the other weird piece that, that, that McCann talks about is the fact that it's super strange that they were detained or that Sabina was detained for such a short period of time with no psychiatric observation properly done. It's weird. A psychiatrist needed to come and do a full examination based on what they had done. Could it be that they were just a, a police force who were ill-equipped to deal with that kind of thing, didn't have enough experience, and just didn't handle it well? Maybe. Mm -hmm. Okay. Another theory is that they were uh, victims of mind control. So conspiracy site Red Ice Radio offers up the theory that the sisters could have been subject to a government mind control program. Although many think of mind control as sort of a half-baked, conspiracy theory, it's now known that the CIA had a top secret project running for many years that did just that. Project MKUltra was the CIA's mind control program that began in the early 1950s and was terminated in the 70s. Drug experiments were conducted on test subjects to identify ways to weaken individuals into confessions during interrogations through mind control. The program often illegally utilized isolation verbal and sexual abuse, torture, hypnosis, and sensory deprivation with drugs, primarily LSD. With an interest in data collected outside of a laboratory environment, involuntary test subjects were unknowingly dosed with LSD, such as high-ranking officials before a big meeting or speech. Willing volunteers were put in radical experiments, such as a group of seven people in Kentucky who were given LSD for 77 days straight. So, by the way, you know who was apparently involved in MK Ultra? Who? Kaczynski, the, the letter bomber, the, the Unabomber. Oh, dear. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So it's possible that maybe they saw something on the highway that triggered them and they had had these, you know, triggers implanted and they kind of, they were part of some weird experiment. I don't buy that one really at all, but it's out there. <laughs> there is another that it was demonic possession. The only thing that kind of, well, not kind of, I guess it is sort of a big deal. So Ursula apparently did resurface in 2011. It was publicized through this church that she was now involved with in Washington State, Sacred Heart, uh, that she underwent an exorcism. Oh. And to, and it directly tied to what had happened. And this is apparently a Catholic, wow. a Catholic church. That uh, and and the demons that resided in her and to expel them the, and the madness and all this stuff it's uh, some some strange stuff but that's it that's all the information that we have on that so let's get to the big one that you've been waiting for Riley <laughs> so that these are twin alien uh, hybrids 
And this thing has so much legs on the internet. This is, I, I would say this is probably like the number one theory out there from people who don't buy the official. And that's not always the case. Of course it is. I mean, of course, this is the number one theory. Not of course. Yeah, whatever. I'm stupid. So odd behavior can easily be explained away, but both surviving multiple incidents that with any right should have left them dead is really strange. And we've talked about that already. The heavy truck that struck Ursula was reported as traveling at, at 55 miles per hour down the motorway, a blow that would prove fatal to almost anyone. And the police have said that. Like those responding police really don't understand how they're both still alive. And similarly with Sabina, she was hit by a vehicle before springing to her feet to fight police and also survived a 40-foot drop onto concrete. This is weird. An iconic image from the highway accident shows Sabina's red visor resting on the pavement after it was thrown off when she hit. You can find an image of this if you don't want to watch the whole video again. And the text on the hat says, time to believe, stitched across the front. Many forum users firmly assert that Ursula and Sabina are, and I quote, gray reptilian human alien hybrids. Okay. So the grays, have you heard of the grays before, Riley? I've talked about the grays before. Okay. So I, I thought you had, they're like some of the most common. I got sort of a description of what they're supposed to be like. There's a whole bunch of gobbledygook here, but the grays are primarily situated as fourth density beings. Uh, although there are a small number that are third and sixth density. Do you know what that means? I have no clue. I have no clue either. Density, uh, does it, density, like, does it mean density like we know the word density? I don't know. So apparently these greys appear cold, cruel, and heartless. They are, in fact, extremely curious about all aspects of existence, highly analytical, and devoid of sentimentality. Sounds like you. Thank you. I knew you were going to say something mean. They, they can experience emotional manifestations radiated from, the, uh, from, from other humans and use this ability generally as a mood elevator. The greys manipulate humans in order to create situations of conflict or extreme pain and emotion to acquire these sensations. They are, in effect, sensation junkies. The greys have the ability to pick out our emotions, thoughts, and experiences for them this is the closest they can come to experiencing feeling. So they've been described by some as being absolutely mad and very manipulative beings. I don't believe this, but if you sort of think back now to the two sisters and what you saw in the video, and if you watched the further interviews, they kind of fit that description. No, for me, they kind of fit a description of people who are very mentally in mental distress. Okay. I agree. Except for, for me, it's the accident itself. The fact that they're walloped like that and still ticking that they possess that much strength. It's weird. I'm not saying I believe, I don't believe that they're aliens or anything, but it, it is weird. It's strange. Again, it is. having yeah. my professional background, I've seen some things like this, but never that, you know, uh, it, it, it's really, really odd. It's just weird to think that these two women are so invincible. They can get hit uh, by cars twice on a highway, attack and, and kill a large man. Uh, this person can hit their, themselves repeatedly in the head with a hammer, throw themselves from a bridge, 
survive all of that and do it with like superhuman athleticism. It's just strange. It's really, really strange. So the last theory is, of course, Riley, that they were cyborgs potentially from the future, like the Terminator. Yeah, because the hospital didn't notice that well, at all. It's strange that you say that because they did notice that when they did x-rays, that their bodies were filled with gears and electrical <laughs> wiring, but didn't think twice of it. No, that's a stupid, well, it's not stupid. It's, it, it's, it's out there, but it's, uh, that's it. So Riley, what do you think? I wanted to mention something that uh, about that, just comment first. I think the whole Grays theory and the sort of explanation of that, I think the strongest person to put all that information forward was that Whitley Stryber guy who did that book Communion. It's a very famous book. Whitley Stryber was a horror writer okay. who claimed that he had a, an encounter with aliens. He had written a, a bunch of books like Wolfen and stuff that were made into movies back in the day. And then he had this life-changing experience. So I think that's where that comes from. Okay, what do I think? You know what I think. I've already said it a million so times. So you think throughout. it's just the, psycho the psychotic break? I think it's some kind of mental illness. It just... I watched the video. I don't think it's aliens. Um, like... I remember once when I was a kid, we saw a dog get hit really bad on the highway, like really bad, like mortally wounded. He got up and ran around until he just collapsed and died and his bones were shattered. So, I mean, there's there's lots of reasons why people get up after accidents and run around. There's that whole adrenaline thing, you know, your body can do. Yep. Your body can do remarkable things when it's in a state of distress. I agree with you, except that this continued past a state of adrenaline. In Sabina's yeah, I case. know, I know, but maybe she just wasn't hurt that badly. But you see, you see the windshield. You see that she's flown literally fifteen feet into the air. It didn't seem like that much, but you can't. Well, it's really... well above the roof of the car. She yeah, but high. I mean, maybe she just was in good shape, and I don't, I don't like. I, I don't. It doesn't look like anything otherworldly to me, and I mean. And if they, they they were aliens, like hell bent on committing suicide, they would have done it again really quickly. So I need to, there's something I need to ask you though. Where is Sabina? She's apparently back in Sweden. No one knows. She just sort of, they, she disappeared. Or if she went back to her family. It's really odd. And if you go on Reddit, people, that's one of the things people comment on that fuels some of these conspiracy theories. They've seemingly just sort of disappeared. Ursula has the one pop-up in 2011 where she shows up in this church website thing and that's it. They're gone. They, they've disappeared off the face of the planet. I think mental illness, Dad. That's what I think. And if that, if it's continued, then that's possible. You'd think though that you would, I don't know. I just think it's odd. I actually wouldn't put the running from the husband or the drug mule thing. I think those are actually the, if there's alternate explanations, I think those are probably the two that I would, and why I ordered them that way. Um, I don't think it's the alien thing either. Although, and this is the other thing with the aliens. Someone found a picture of another, like a, basically a clone that someone who looks identical to them, but like from 30 years in the past from like, it was, I think it was from the 1950s or something like that. It's basically saying, look, it's a clone. They're the exact same. They're just clones, right? That's why they're, they're not identical twins. They're clones. So there you go, Riley. Uh, you seem disgusted. I'm not disgusted. I'm just like, I'm frustrated. I'm going to have a folly I do with you. No, half the city has. I'm disgusted now with you. My biggest takeaway from all this is the failure of law enforcement and all of its sort of I find that strange. I also find that strange. I don't find that strange. That shit happens to this day. 
It still happens. They still take people who are obviously in mental distress, put them in lockup, and they commit suicide. But they lock them up. Or they'll take somebody in mental distress and really use outrageous amounts of force. Uh, like and again, I'm not a I'm not a shit on the police kind of guy. I mean, some of them are great people; they do their best. But I I have always been a firm believer, and I'm glad this is finally being addressed, sort of through the public policy uh, cha- through public policy channels. I'm glad that we're finally addressing the fact that cops and law enforcement people maybe shouldn't yes. be treat dealing yes, with I people with in that. mental distress. They require a, a different kind of person, a different le- kind of expertise to deal with that. I just think that they maybe they were failed by the system and I, I don't know. I never heard of two people sharing um, 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 a traumatic, you know, mental sort of disconnect at the same time. Even the brother, like the brother didn't say, yes, they're mentally ill. Yeah, he sounded weird about it too. Maybe he's sick too. Who knows? Maybe they're a crazy family. This has been a long episode. Uh, we can wrap it up here, I think, with a nice little bow. Uh, Riley uh, doesn't like to have fun, and that's why he doesn't think that they were demonic demons, or sorry, demonic aliens. Demonic aliens, so to combine the two. Yes. Wouldn't it be funny if alien, if an alien person got possessed? They'd be like, what the fuck? All right, good listener. Thank you so much for listening to The Weird. You know the drill. If you like listening to the word of the weird, then please spread that word out amongst your friends. Uh, if you, uh, if you have, um, you know, favorite place that you like to, to hang out, uh, bring a giant, uh, stereo and plant it in the middle of that area and just blast our show, especially if it's a church, let's get that place hopping, you know, put it right there on the, on the dais during a Sunday service. Just say to the priest, can you hang on for an hour? And can we listen to this and, and spread the word of the weird? Amen to that, brother. Amen to that. So again, listeners, thank you for joining us on this incredible journey. We That's an okay journey. I don't know that it's incredible. I'm having an okay time. The Incredible Journey is actually a Disney movie where um, two dogs and a cat <laughs> find their way back home. Like there is. Yeah. yeah, there is. I saw it when oh, I was a kid. The Incredible Journey. Yeah, that's what, yes, that's why I said it. That's one of those horrible Disney movies that they would show uh, on during the wonderful world of Disney on Sunday night, you'd tune in and you'd be so excited. And then you'd be like, oh fuck, it's one of those animal movies, you know, where they follow the raccoon around and he follows in the water. And then there's a guy with a Southern accent who says, well, that raccoon sure learned his lesson that day. Oh, I hated them. They were for simpler children. Anyway, we love that you join us on this remarkable journey. And uh, we can't wait to see you again next week. That's all I got. Um, Watch out for aliens. Good night, everybody.